Okay, go ahead and turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. If she's going to move, then I'm going to center myself a little more here. Okay, Mark chapter 6. And we're going to read quite a number of verses here. Mark chapter 6, and I'm going to start reading in verse 5. Actually, verse 1. And he went out from there and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Now skip down to verse 5. And he could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went all around the villages teaching. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two. And gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them to take nothing for their journey except a staff only. No satchel, no bread, no money in their purse, but wear sandals and not put on two coats. And he said to them, in whatever place you enter into a house, abide there until you depart from that place. And whoever shall not receive you or hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Truly I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of, the, of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they departed privately by ship into a deserted place. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran on foot out from all the cities, and went ahead of them, and came together to him. And when Jesus came out, he saw many people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and now the time is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? He said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them to make them and he commanded them to make them all sit down by groups on the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed, and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fish. And those who ate of the loaves were about five thousand men. And immediately he commanded his disciples to get into the ship and to go ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed to a mountain to pray. And when evening came, the ship was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. And around the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and wanted to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and said to them, 
be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And he went up into the ship with them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they did not consider the miracle of the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. The title of my message tonight is The Wonder of It All. The Wonder of It All. Let's go ahead and begin with prayer this evening. Lord, thank you for this time that we can look into your word. Thank you for this account here in Mark. And uh, Lord, I just pray that we would each here tonight um, learn something from your word that would help us in our lives. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us and that as he does, I pray that we would respond um, in a proper and obedient fashion. Thank you for meeting with us here tonight. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. The Bible says in verse 52 that their hearts were hardened. And that's kind of what I want to talk tonight about is how we harden our hearts against the things of God and against the things of Christ. Um, There's two aspects here in this passage that I want to kind of look at, dive into a little bit and take away something that I think will help each one of us there's two, two aspects that contributed to this hard-heartedness that we see in verse 52. And the first, the first thing I see is fatigue. Okay, so the, um, the fatigue is a result of their service to the Lord, what they were doing. And if you look in verse, you know, they're, they're following Jesus, his disciples, I'm talking about his disciples. They were, they were following Jesus, they were seeing all that he was doing, um, He chose them back in Mark chapter 3. And so they've been following him and seeing all these things he's done. And then he goes back to his home country in the beginning of the chapter. There's not much faith there, so he doesn't do a lot. And then as he goes, and it says at the end of verse 6 that he went around all the villages teaching. Okay, And then he sits the 12 down and gives this talk to them about what they should do as they go out. And he sends them out to preach to the surrounding villages, right? And uh, it says that they went out and preached that men should repent. <clears throat> and they, they even cast out demons and, and healed, healed sick people. So they're busy. Um, you know, they've observed Christ, and now they're busy doing the work. And then there's this little synopsis in verses 14 to 29 about John the Baptist. And then the, the disciples come back. It says the apostles gather themselves together to Jesus in verse 30. And they begin to tell them, Everything that had gone on, everything that they had done, and they were busy. Uh, they, I don't, I, I really, I mean, there's not really a lot about what happened here in the passage or in parallel passages. But I mean, man, that would have been that would have been amazing. I mean, Jesus sent them out, and they're they're doing the healings that they've seen him doing, and they're preaching and seeing people respond, and people are gathering to them. And uh, I mean, you know, they had been. Well, they were still disciples, but they had been disciples, like, sitting at Jesus' feet, learning from him, and then now he trusts them at this point to go out and do the ministry themselves. And so they're, they're busy doing that, and then they come back, and Jesus recognizes, you know, you guys have worked hard, and you're tired. And I say that because he says in verse 31, come by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. So... If Jesus is concerned about them resting, they must be fatigued. 
And, you know, just fatigue is kind of a natural aspect of life. There's a reason we sleep every night. You know, God ordained that. It's because our bodies tire. And I was thinking about this today, and I was wondering if they slept before the fall. And I would assume they did, but um, if, if their bodies were perfect, I, I don't know why they would need to sleep, but um, maybe Pastor Ice Flesh can uh, <clears throat> uh, give me some advice on that later. <laughs> but that just occurred to me earlier today, and I was like, I wonder if they slept before the fall. But anyway, so fatigue is, is a natural consequence of life. And when I think of fatigue, I think of college. Um, college was, especially my undergraduate, the first four years of college was, <laughs> it was rough. And I mean, I didn't have it as bad as the guys that stayed up all night studying and then went to class the next day without sleeping at all or slept an hour or whatever. I didn't have it that bad. Um, but I definitely was one of the guys that had to stand up in class so that he didn't fall asleep, or stand up in the back of chapel so he didn't fall asleep in chapel. And um, I even, it got to the point where I was so like, I was trying to manage my time so perfectly that I started <laughs> to analyze, like after I got off work, I would only have so much time before I was like, I gotta get to bed by this time so I'm gonna get five hours of sleep or whatever. So I started to cut my showers shorter I mean, I was trying to take off like two minutes off my shower so I'd have more time to study. I mean, that's how it was like. I was crunching all of the seconds in a day like that. Um, and I, I still think about that day. I'm like, man, I don't remember exactly how busy I was. I just remember the decision to start taking shorter showers to save a couple minutes. And I'm like, how, how busy must I have been? I was, I was very tired um, and fatigued and worn out and that happens in life. Uh, it happens in seasons. It happens daily to an extent. The fatigue of life happens. And, you know, in service to the Lord, as these disciples were doing, fatigue can happen. Uh, you know, spiritual fatigue can happen. Uh, and I think that part of their hard-heartedness was a, a consequence of the fatigue that they were they were allowing the fatigue to create hard-heartedness. Um, so we go on here, and, you know, I do want to mention Jesus, he got tired. You know, this is not, as a man, he also experienced fatigue. And this is not something we just experienced in John 4, 6, where he stopped at the well to talk to the woman at the well. It says that he was wearied with his journey, right? And he sat down there. Um, but here they are, and they're tired, and Jesus is like, okay, Let's go rest a while. And it says, For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. So they depart privately by this ship into this deserted place, and the people saw them. <clears throat> so they run around the shore. Um, I mean, a lot of people <laughs> run around the shore, and they beat him. They beat the disciples and Jesus to, to this spot. And they're waiting there when they come. And so Jesus here, he's trying to give his, his apostles a break. He's trying to give them a rest. And what happens? The, the crowds come to hear more of Jesus preaching. And that opportunity to rest is gone. And, I mean, Jesus knew this was going to happen. But I think it's interesting when we're, when we're in life, when we're like, we've been working hard, you know, whether it's in the ministry or whether it's just a hard day at work or whatever, 
and we're ready for that rest, and then something comes our way, and, you know, God allows it to come into our lives, and we're like, man, I'm so tired. Like, I just need, I needed this break. But God brings something, and we have to respond in a right way to that. And I think the disciples began to do this ministry in the next few verses here just uh, out of obligation. And it says in, in verse 34 that Jesus saw the people and was moved with compassion toward them. I don't think the disciples were moved with compassion toward them necessarily. Um, just based on the fact that their hearts were hardened and they didn't even consider the miracle of the loaves. They, they seemed to be focused on themselves and I think that when we get tired in life, our, our focus comes on us. I know this is true with me and like with my son. When I'm tired and he's also tired and he's being grumpy, I'm like, I'm tired. You, you're, do better. Be, don't be so grumpy. Like, I can't deal with this right now. Um, and, you know, we, can, we can't control the actions of others, but we can control our own actions. And that's our responsibility. And so the disciples here, they do what needs to be done. They obey Jesus. And, you know, he, he commands them, all the people to sit down and, and then asks his disciples to put them in ranks. They do that. And then he asks his disciples to distribute everything and they do all that. And it's just, it just is this thing where, you know, it's not just in serving the Lord this happens, but just in life as you're just doing things, you, you get, you're busy, 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 busy doing things, and then you get to the point where you're like, okay, now is the time to break, and then you have to do a whole, a whole, whole lot more things, and we need to be careful in those situations to make sure that we are serving out of love and not just serving, serving out of obligation, um, and I also would say, you know, be careful making decisions when you're tired, too, you know, whether it's a financial decision or deciding to text this person or make this phone call, um, <laughs> whatever it is, disciplining your children or taking on a new task, okay, just when you're fatigued, that be careful about the decisions that you make. <clears throat> In their fatigue, the disciples, they lost the wonder of serving Christ and serving these people. You know, it says in verse 51 that they were greatly amazed in, beyond, in, in themselves beyond measure and wondered, right? And then it says that they didn't consider or they didn't wonder about the miracle of the loaves. So they wondered like, wow, this is amazing when Jesus did this miracle with, on, on the Sea of Galilee. But when it came to the miracle he'd done with the <laughs> feeding of the 10,000 people or whatever it was, right? 5,000 men plus women and children, that was just, whoop, you know, over their heads. And now they're wondering about this, but it's easy, you know, as we are living our life, as we're serving the Lord, you know, doing our devotions or, you know, reading our Bible and coming to church, um, listening to messages on podcasts or the Christian radio or whatever it is, to become, you know, to lose the wonder of Christ and of the Bible. It has just become something what we do, and I'm kind of um, bleeding over into my next point, but 
they lost the wonder of who their master was, of who they were serving. And their fatigue, I think, had an impact on this. And they forgot that, you know, this rabbi that they're following, this rabbi that they're serving, you know, this master is the Messiah. You know, this is the son of God. And they had lost the wonder of that, that this same Jesus that was here was the God in Psalm 41 that was a very, that could be a very present help in trouble. It's the same God that they had, you know, grown up hearing about in the old, you know, the Old Testament scriptures that they had. And Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, you know, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and I will give you rest unto your souls. <clears throat> and so just be careful in your life as you become tired and weary, whether it's spiritually weary or physically, don't, don't lose the wonder of serving God and being a disciple of Christ. As we, we have it even better than the disciples did. We, we have all, all of God's word right here. And so we have even less of an excuse to lose the wonder of it. And sometimes we look at them and they're like, well, we're like, well, they were sitting at Jesus' feet. They really had it good. But we have all of Christ's words and we have to be careful not to lose the wonder of who Christ is just because we're tired with what we're doing. Don't be weary in well-doing. Um, in due season, you will reap if you faint not. And I forget if that's Galatians 6, 9. Um, let, me, let me look. Galatians 6, 9. You can turn there with me if you want. The Bible says, And let us not be weary in well-doing and doing good, for we, in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. So the, the first thing I see here is that they were fatigued, and I think that fatigue affected their hard-heartedness, allowed the hard-heartedness to come. And then I also want us to look at the um, familiarity that I think developed in their hearts, especially when it says that they considered not the miracle of the loaves. And to see a miracle of that magnitude and it says that they didn't consider it. And there's different ways, you know, that, I mean, did they, did they not, like, when they were handing it out, think, wow, this is amazing? I don't necessarily think that they didn't, like, think anything of it at all. But it, they certainly didn't think about it when it came to, okay, we're on this, you know, Sea of Galilee and there's this horrible storm and we need God's help. They didn't think about it there. Um, they definitely didn't consider it when it came to their time of need. Like, oh, maybe Jesus, the Son of God, can help us in this moment. They, they got caught up in the moment, and they, they had become familiar with, you know, the teachings of Jesus, and they had become familiar with, the, with who Jesus was, and it had just become something they did, but it wasn't, you know, it's kind of like when you come to church on Sunday, and you're like, okay, you know, it's important for me to be here, so I'm here and you listen to the message, and you're like, amen, that's good, and, you know, God maybe even stirs in your heart something, and you're like, I need to get that right, you get it right, and then you go home, and then Monday rolls around, and you forget all about Sunday, and you just, you just do your thing, and you, you wouldn't, like, you, if anybody, like, says, are you a Christian, or anything, you would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, you would have a good spiritual conversation with them, maybe, or whatever, but 
you're not necessarily living your life thinking about Christ or like being a Christian. You're just kind of being a human. And if the need arises, like on Wednesday night when you come to church, then you be a Christian. And I think they slipped into that here where they're just doing and they're not thinking about who they are and who God is. They have lost sight of the great God that they served. And he wanted to be there for them and he wanted to save them, but they didn't even reach out to him. They didn't even ask for help. Psalm 107 repeatedly says in several verses, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And we need to be careful in our lives not to become so familiar with God and with Christianity that we don't, that, that we don't recognize who he is and praise him for who he is. And just live each day thinking about him. I think sometimes in my own life, it's easy to kind of go through my day without, you know, I may do my devotions in the morning or uh, say, you know, thanks at, at my meal and pray before I go to bed at night. But other than that, you know, I have like these isolated times of my day. I think sometimes I look back on days and I'm like, well, <laughs> I had these like God sections in my day where I, I talked to him or I read his word or whatever. But outside of those God sections, it was just, it was just, you know, me just living, right? And I think that the Lord, you know, wants to be on our mind. I say I think. God does want to be on our mind. He wants us to think on him and um, to just praise him throughout our day as we are living. But there was something about this miracle on the Sea of Galilee that, you know, caused the disciples to put their phones down to turn their TV off, to set that, you know, captivating book aside and say, wow, like, Jesus is amazing. That was, wow, that was incredible, right? And, but the thing is, Jesus was already amazing. He had already been doing incredible things in their lives. And I don't think that God is waiting for us, he, I don't think God is like going to do something great in our lives so that we turn to him and are like, wow, God is amazing. You know, he will do those things, but the truth is he's already doing those things. I, I don't want you to, what I'm saying is don't sit here tonight and be like, okay, well, I'm waiting for God to do that so I can be like, wow, God's amazing. The, they had missed, they had already missed God being wonderful and amazing. And they had just lost the wonder of what he was doing. They had gotten sidetracked. They had gotten distracted. They had gotten familiar with who Christ was and, you know, missed out on how great he was. They had forgotten it. So, my question for you is, have you, has familiarity with Christ gotten to you today? Um, what will it take in your life for you to recognize, oh, wow, God is amazing. That was, that was truly a wonderful work of God. And again, like I said, I don't think God needs to do something. You just need to recognize what he's already done and say, wow, God is amazing. And I, I think the Psalms are a great place to go um, for that. There's all kinds of things there. You can just sit down and say, just read some of those verses to the Lord. Um, things about creation and all, all sorts of things like that. So just 
Don't get so familiar with Christ that you forget to praise him for who he is and recognize who he is and worship him. Uh, 1 Chronicles 16.12 says, Remember his marvelous works that he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. (coughs) So I think that, uh, you know, there's a good chance tonight that you are either here and you are experiencing fatigue with, you know, maybe it's spiritual fatigue, maybe it's physical fatigue, but you have just, you're, you're weary in well-doing, and you have lost sight of who God is and why you're doing what you're doing, and you're serving, but maybe not worshiping in your service. And we, I, you know, I mean in a meaningful way you've forgotten. I think we, you know, forget day to day sometimes, that, that sort of thing, but be intentional and also Jesus did recognize their fatigue and God does know when you're tired and he did desire to give them rest and in a sense they did get rest because they did get in the boat to go to the deserted place so they did have that time of rest and respite. But even, even in the moments when you're like, I have got to have rest right now, and God puts something else on your plate, he will give you the grace to do that thing that you think you don't have the strength for and that you essentially don't have the strength for. He will give you the strength. Um, and I had written several verses about the Lord's strength down. And just with regard to rest because this is the only verses I see written down here, but Hebrews 9.11, I'm going to read them in a second, but as far as rest goes, life is is full of labor and toil and trouble and sorrow. And we do get moments of rest throughout life, like at nighttime um, or vacation or, or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, we labor until we die, right? So there is no rest really, on this earth. However, Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 gives us some verses of encouragement. The Bible says, Therefore there remains a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest, he has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Therefore, let us labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall according to the example to the example of unbelief, to the same example of unbelief. (laughs) Had a hard time reading my own writing there. Um, And so we we will have rest when we reach heaven. We have ultimate rest, and the troubles and trials of this life will be passed. But in the meantime, God can give you rest. God can give you the strength to go on in the difficult times in life. But the other area I think that uh, we may be struggling with tonight is this... um, the developing of spiritual calluses in our life. You know, maybe it's hearing the word of God preached to us so much and just allowing calluses to develop and not staying sensitive to the, to the word of God. And with regard to calluses, I think of my mom and how she plays guitar. And <clears throat> as someone who tried to learn from her a couple times, it's very painful to press down on some of those, especially the thinner chords on the guitar. And, but as you do it 
over time, you develop calluses on your fingers. And I know my dad talked about how he's mentioned how when he was a, a child, he ran barefoot all the time. And he would run across gravel. And by the end of the summer, the calluses on his feet were so thick, he couldn't even feel the gravel poking him in the feet. And so <laughs> as a child, I aspired to have such thick calluses on my feet that I could run on gravel and not be in pain. But that never happened. Um, and now I don't aspire for that anymore. But those same, that same idea can happen to us with regard to spiritual things. We can develop calluses. And so guard yourself against that. If, if you know, when you, when you sense that this song, you're just singing it out of, you know, because you've sang it before, you're not thinking about it. When you catch yourself singing a song and thinking about what happened yesterday, you're not worshiping. You're just, you're just singing, right? Okay, you're not singing to the Lord. You're just spewing words out of your mouth. Um, you know, if, if your mind is wandering in a message or, you know, you're starting to think about the football game that comes on later <laughs> during the message or whatever. I've never done that before <clears throat> in my life. But um, then you're not, you're not worshiping the Lord like you should. And that's something that each one of us has to guard against. And whichever is the case tonight, make things right between you and the Lord. And let him give back to you the wonder of it all. And serve him with wonder in your heart and amazement of who he is and that we get to be his disciples. So we're going to go ahead and close with prayer. I'm going to ask Mrs. J to go to the piano and we're going to sing a few verses of a song. Lord, thank you for this time that we could be together around your word. Thank you for the blessing that it is to, to have your word and to man, have all of it, Lord. And the disciples, they were blown away at this miracle that you did. And we should be amazed and in wonderment at what we see in your word, which is many, many miracles. And we have the Old Testament to look at and the New Testament, everything, Lord, help us to be in awe of who you are and that we get to serve you. Give strength to those who are tired tonight. And Lord, I just pray that you would begin to remove those calluses from the hearts of those who are overly exposed and familiar with your word. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit doing a work in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> okay, um, Mrs. J, I wrote the song down. Do you remember what it was? 195, The Wonder of It All. We're going to sing verse 1, 2, and 3 uh, without the chorus, and then we'll sing the chorus on the last, all right? Page 195, The Wonder of It All. There's the wonder of sunset at Second verse. There's the 
right. Well, with that, we will go 